Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Planet Podcast. This is the third in a series of probably seven podcasts about wastewater monitoring and management. Together, we make a trip over the world. It's one that we started making together uh, with UN Habitats, and we started the first podcast in West Africa, where Jer Jerry Asumbere joined us from Ghana. And then on last Monday, we flew west over the Atlantic all the way to Trinidad, and there we spoke with Wayne Williams about the wastewater situation in the Caribbean. And you can listen to these podcasts in the call-in app, or you can find them on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So you just type wastewater in the search bar in any of these kind of apps or their websites, and you can easily find them. And today we go back east, we go back to Africa, we go to Kampala in Uganda, where we are joined by Dr. Rose Kagwa, and she has worked in various management levels within the National Water and Sewage Corporation. And she is now the Director of Business and Scientific Services, and she has over 30 years experience in the water sector. And she has spearheaded partnerships with countries all over the world, including Bangladesh and India, and many African countries, and Trinidad as well. And she holds a doctorate in environmental resources from UNESCO IHE, uh, which is an institute on water education in Delft in the Netherlands. And she has won several international awards for her work, including the Women in Water Award from the International Water Association. And with that, I would like to welcome you, Rose, in the podcast. Thank you, Alexander. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you online. We have a slight delay, so I probably uh, I see you already on the Zoom call uh, talking, but the sound comes in one or two seconds later. So that means for the listeners that um, after a question or so, we might have a short interruption of maximum one or two seconds. So, Rose, your resume reads like a book, and, and I felt bad in leaving out uh, so much that, that you have done. But to start with the very last thing that I mentioned, your winning of uh, the Women in Water Award. I know that you're, you're passionate about raising the profile of women in the water and sanitation sector. So could you tell us why is it so important that uh, the, the profile of women is raised in, in the water and sanitation sector? Thank you, Alexander. Um, I think this in Africa, this dates back to about, yeah, I've worked for about 30 years. So 30 years when I was leaving university in the science field, I did industrial chemistry for my first degree. And I was the only lady in the class. And joining um, industry, joining the workforce, I still found we were very few women. And this has, um, 30 years later, has changed a bit, but not much. Why I'm very passionate about the women is it starts right from, from home. Um, on the continent, the women are the ones looking after the children, they're the ones looking after the homes, looking after family. So issues of water and sanitation are things part of our heartbeat. And it's important that as we advance um, in terms of service delivery, in terms of science, in terms of research and technology, in terms of policy, making, decision-making, that women are brought to the helm. In my work, mm -hmm. I've mentioned working in different continents and still now going and sitting within uh, boards and finding no women within those meetings. 
And I feel it's very important that we raise the voice of women so that they can fully understand, uh, they fully understand the challenges of not having water, the challenges of not having uh, good sanitation, and they would be able to influence or impact decisions and policy that is going to be um, made out there. As we continue to grow, we are running after the SDGs, um, and I feel women, whether educated or not, need to raise their voices, be able to make choices, and in the last year I've added a new word which is to be able to doice. Doice for me means to be able to do it. <laughs> and so um, raise our voices, make choices, and be able to do it, which is to doice. The other yeah, thing is yeah. that um, the impact yeah, the impact on the girl child is also very important because um, for a long time people have thought that the engineering world, the science world in Africa is for men. And we are trying to encourage the, the young girls, we are trying to encourage the women to be a part of the journey right through. Many times you find some girls have gone and done engineering, they've gone and done the science subjects, but when they get into the work arena, they immediately switch to what they call softer, you know, softer professions that won't be as taxing. And we are trying to create create that change. When I joined the African Water Association, um, there was only one woman who served as a, 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 as a, a, a president rotating through the presidency, which rotates around the regions, and she was from South Africa. And then we had another one from South Africa. And then we went back to the men. And when you go to the board, you still have men and you're not able to get, you know, decisions made out there. That's the reason why I am quite passionate about it. Thank you, Alexander. Yes, it, it makes absolutely good sense. And it, it, is, it is weird that in 2022, we still see, uh, not just in, 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 in Africa, but we see worldwide still these, these, these widely diverging numbers between men and women involved in typically an issue like water, which is relevant for all of us. And, and, and as you say, and certainly in some communities, you could certainly claim that it's even more important for the women than the men. So it's, yeah. it's maddening to see how slow this movement goes. So I'm, I'm happy to see how active you are on this. So, so what do you do to, to promote the role of women in water? Is it just raising awareness or other, other activities that you can do? So I'll start with um, the, the, on the African continent through the African Water Association. We've set up um, networks for women, platforms that um, run across different countries to try and bring the professional women together to help them look at how they can develop their careers, to help with uh, the mentoring and coaching, trying to bring that sharing of information and knowledge across, first of all, professions and then across countries and across regions so that we can learn from one another and be able to have um, a more um, holistic approach to dealing with issues of gender and also how we raise our voices. But when I get back to my own country within the the utility that I work from, we've established, yes, the Women Professional Network. We also have the school and water sanitation clubs that are run majorly by women 
where we start right from the youngest child in primary school. We set up these clubs, we mentor, we coach, we support the, the girl child to under boys, obviously, to learn more about water and sanitation and environment. And then as, 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 an, as an individual, we also reach out in our own networks to raise the voice and of, uh, of uh, against sanitation, trying to help the, the girls who are at the point of getting into university, who are at the point of making decisions on what courses they should take, and, and giving advice and helping them to go, you know, the other step and know that there's a lot more that can be done. So it's, it's um, we also try to influence, um, we're trying to see how we can influence policy um, by trying to get uh, the women to, to contribute to white papers that can go out in terms of raising policy. Um, through these networks, we've gotten closer to the government decision makers, members of parliament, and have had rapport, involved them in our activities so that they can fully understand. And once they are there making this legislation, the laws, they understand better um, what is required and what decisions need to be made. So in a nutshell, that's what uh, I've been trying to do. And I've been privileged to serve both on the African Water Association Board and right now um, also serve on the International Water Association Board. In AFWA, I support the Science and Technical Council, and I've done that for about eight years now. And in Iowa, I am representing the Africa and MENA states in the Iowa Board. So yeah. in a nutshell, Excellent. that's the contribution. Yeah, wonderful. And if we narrow it down more to, to wastewater, you, you can look back at some uh, 30 years that you've been active uh, in in uh, the water and sanitation and wastewater um, uh, aspects of, of your work. And do you think that perspectives on wastewater have changed? And is it now, um, let's say, our our political leaders and also leaders in, in, in business, do they better understand the issue? Is it higher on the political agenda? Um, looking back 30 years, it's a bit higher, not as high as we would have wanted it to be. Um, in the last 30 years, we've seen um, in some movement in terms of the, the contribution to infrastructure development on the African continent. And but we've seen a lot of this um, is still is a lot of it is still coming through external support from development partners. We've also seen governments make their contribution towards that um, those investments. Um, we've so we've seen an increase in terms of wastewater when you look at the wastewater side treatment side, an increase in in wastewater treatment plants, new ones, and also rehabilitation of of old ones. We've seen more uh, talk about sanitation if you uh, accompany it with wash. I think there's been a bigger emphasis, particularly due to the COVID-19 pandemic, where everybody had to face the issues that water and sanitation and hygiene are very closely you know, related. Um, there's been movement. We've also seen uh, movement on the education side because um, before 
not many people were in the sanitation space, you know, people would go out and the engineers would go and do other types of, you know, water, water engineering, the water management, very few people were looking at sanitation. Um, so we've seen growth there. When it gets to the budgets, it's uh, small because when we look at the water and, and sanitation budgets, water budgets, you still find that out of the national uh, budgets, the, 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 the sector is taking very little of that budget and emphasis is on, on uh, agriculture, emphasis is on health, yeah? emphasis is on security. So those seem to ride higher um, than, than when you come to water and sanitation, water and environment aspects. Yeah. And do you see, do we expect changes happening now? I mean, on the one hand, uh, when we agreed in, in 2015 on the Sustainable Development Goals on the Agenda 2030, uh, for the very first time, wastewater was was on there on, on the production, uh, on the proportion of the, the domestic and the industrial wastewater flows that should be safely treated, which was a huge step forward. So we have now a target that we, that we have to reach worldwide. Um, and on top of that, I can imagine that climate change plays a factor that uh, that that must impact uh, wastewater treatment. We see uh, developments like population growth, uh, certainly in in Africa. Will all that together will that will that raise more attention for wastewater? And and combined with this question is, uh, what are the priorities? What is what is for from an African uh, perspective? Uh, the most important priorities within wastewater to focus on. Um, thanks, Alexander. I think, yeah, that's a loaded question because um, when we look at the way uh, sanitation is being handled on the continent, it's, it's different in different countries. So some countries have made good strides in that, in the setup, the policy right from the top, and others are lagging behind. Um, I'll start from the, the higher level. So the African Ministerial Council for Water, which brings all water ministers together, um, did attempt to address one of the gaps that we have, which is on governance and policy, and uh, was able to come up with the uh, African Sanitation Policy Guidelines. I was privileged to be part of the task force that worked on this and these guidelines stipulate what each country should be able to do. And, and this was also supported um, with the development partners um, to, be, to be able to come up with these guidelines. They are now in place and they are being, you know, uh, disseminated, but also um, being sort of tested. Where can you go and test this? What are the gaps? What's happening is that sanitation in some countries is in one docket and in others fragmented. If I take the case of Uganda, it's fragmented within about four ministries. Yeah, you have health, you have education, you have water and environment, um, you have local government where the municipalities lay. So it is fragmented. And as a result, one of the priorities, yes, at the top is to try and get the policy straight and see what's the policy direction are we moving away from fragmentation? Can we um, bring sectors together? Can we identify who should be responsible 
so that the little cake that is available in terms of financing to support the development of sanitation can be steered better we can avoid duplication we can avoid wastage so that in a way is a priority but when you flip the coin the other side and come down to the fact that africa is a growing population there is rapid you know urbanization there is movement from rural to urban then the the need for actual infrastructure on ground becomes very important and becomes a priority so what we are seeing now in the cities that are growing larger the need to have proper structures to collect treat and dispose is very important so infrastructure we are also seeing that it is not possible to think of a city in in africa and i i hasten to say i always say you know um south of the sahara north of limpopo that we will not have you know 100% 80% storage systems no we are going to look forward to decentralized systems we are going to have to face the fact that we need a lot of fecal sludge management in place and so at the city level we need to provide these facilities and then look at how we can also move quicker to making sanitation worth the while because sanitation when it, when we look at the storage side people will tell you yeah it takes uh, investment for storage services is almost five times that of water and there's no return on investment and it takes forever to get your money back we need to provide services we need to make um sanitation you know uh, uh, something that is dignity for all and so we need to find the right mix for the growing population i think that's where the priority is the other priority is on capacity so we move away from infrastructure and we look at the capacity of the humans to be able to manage better to be able to um adopt newer methods newer ways of doing things you know bring in the ICT approaches that uh, that the world has moved to today to be able to see what tools do we need to bring into play so i think um with me that would be the some of the priority areas and then the other one that we did start with really was how can you draw um women into the space of sanitation because it concerns them a lot what more can they do how more how much more can they contribute to the sanitation space yeah yeah excellent in uh you you mentioned the decentralization of uh of of wastewater uh, collection and, and treatment uh, which is a trend i i heard about in in other places as well what is the advantage of a decentralized approach um i think the decentralized approach will help us address the issue of sanitation faster because again if we look at the 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 cities that we have in africa many of them are not properly planned and and it would take a long time to move to have them at the level of you know properly planned cities you know where all utilities are passing 
that will be hard. Um, I was recently in South Korea, and they, when they started looking at issues of um, improving their resources in terms of creating more dams on their rivers for purposes of being able to contain water, but also to be able to produce um, electricity, they were able to go in with projects and basically uh, shift villages, you know, hordes of villages out of an area because they wanted to create a dam. And they shared with us that they were able, to, in one case, to spend up to 60% of the cost of the project was on reallocation of people, you know, compensation, reallocating. That's something that's not going to happen in Africa, you know, because it is very expensive. So we, we may have solutions, but centralized solutions are not necessarily the solution for us. So the decentralized systems help us to spread out um, faster the provisions for, yeah. for collecting, managing, and treating in a much better way, yeah. yeah. Will that change the, the financing uh, structure? Because financing of wastewater always seems to be a challenge. People are more willing and understanding about uh, paying for your fresh water because it's something you, you actually see. It comes out of a tap and you can you can, you can can drink it or you can wash with it. But as soon as uh, as it is waste, whether you're uh, an individual or a family or whether you're a company, it's a bit out of sight and, and, and out of heart. So I heard in other talks, um, experts complaining about the difficulty of finding financing. So you already mentioned it's it's always a, a challenge in, in Africa as well. And will funding for a decentralized approach, is that is that more complicated? Does that change things on, on the government side and on the financing side? Yes, I think it's it's definitely, I would think it's more complicated to an extent because um, you will be dealing with different players. Um, this would call for attraction of the private sector an attraction of maybe community-based organizations, attraction of NGOs to be able to come into the space. And as you've said, waste, waste is not something people think about a lot. Here we have on-site sanitation, so whoever is constructing a house will put up a septic tank and will know that I'll empty that, in some cases even after 10 years, and so you don't think about it. So the minute you are told that, you know, you're going to have to make a contribution, because that has been tested before, do we have, should we have a sanitation levy? Who sh where should we put it? Should we put it on the water bill so that whoever is receiving water covers, you know, a, a certain aspect of sanitation? And that has drawn resistances in many, you know, in many areas. And so financing this is going to, I think, to call for a lot of innovation. Um, it has to call also for a mindset change where government can focus and, and drive direction of where a country should go. And that's not easy because, as you know, a lot in Africa evolves around votes for the next election. And it's on, not only Africa, I know, where everyone is looking at, you know, what have you done? Yeah, what's, <laughs> what's the next election going to look at? And so the financing, we are going to have to be creative, but I also think we are going to have to be very 
driven and systematic in the way we do things. Um, for example, where we have now mushrooming um, real estate. So you, you're having people coming up with, you know, um, estates uh, across different countries. And these are more or less condoned of estates. These estates are slowly beginning to also realize they, they don't have anywhere to put their waste. So they have to find a way of putting in a, a smaller wastewater, you know, facility. Um, some have done that and they are also beginning to say, okay, we may not have the expertise to manage it. So they are handing them over to the water and sanitation utilities to manage. But this happens after the investment has already, you know, been put in. So I think these, the, the, the financing aspects are, are, are tricky. The other one is whether governments can purpose to really ensure that there is a percentage that goes to, to sanitation. That's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, but, um, excellent. Yeah, you watch the space. I think we're all being pushed. Yeah, yeah, we have a slight delay in 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 the in the sound. So there's the risk that uh, when I start talking, that uh, that that we um, that we overlap a little bit. Um, in in so before you actually talk about financing, I mean, one of the things that you always need to know is, of course, you need to have the right data. You need to know how much um how much is actually uh, treated how much uh how much demand is there how much um uh, how much uh, wastewater are we actually uh, talking about how many facilities do we need uh, what percentage of uh, wastewater is actually uh, sufficiently treated or at least partly treated is this uh is there now because we now have a, a dedicated target within the the uh, sdgs for wastewater is there a drive in africa to have a better uh, a better measuring a better monitoring a better counting of the of the problem uh or is that something that that still needs needs action on i know that this is for UN Habitat, that is, of course, worldwide very active on, on, on these kind of issues. For them, that's also an issue to focus on, 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 on the right data collection and monitoring. How is that from, from your African perspective? Um, Alexander, I think this is an area that really needs a lot of focus and attention. Um, utilities in Africa are more or less driven on access, access for water. So we talk about sanitation, yes, but access. Um, can they collect money from the water they have built? Can they become more commercially and financially viable? Um, and, and those are some of the pressures, is water reaching a certain village X? Um, so infrastructure, yes, is being put in for sanitation. But when it comes to data and, and collecting, I think we have a long way to go. And we experienced this uh, when we were doing this work for UN Habitat. Um, for example, we sent out about 56 uh, questionnaires to 56 you know, different utilities. And at the end, only seven responded. And, and we tried to push and we, we learned interesting things. One that um, at the utility level, the attention that is given to collections on a daily basis is not given to 
how much wastewater came in yesterday. So somewhere you may find someone is collecting that data in the plant, but no one is really looking at it at the, at the next level, you know, at the higher level to know how much did we treat. What is given attention is how many kilometers did we extend of sewage at the end of the year, because that is a hard one to measure every month. And then they will look at maybe are there some new connections for storage services, you know, when you look at those who are dealing with the, the wastewater. Industries, again, industries are connected to sewers. How many industries are connected? What are they discharging at, the, at, the, at, at any one given time? We've not reached that level where we can have, you know, real-time real time data coming in. And so that's um, more work to be done. Again, um, the national databases, this varies from country to country. Um, we were able to, to talk to the utility in Morocco and they said, no, we can't release any information. This has to come from the national you know, database. But in many countries, the national databases are not capturing this information. So even where it is at the, at the utility level, it will not flow to the national level. And then again, when you get to the regional level, where is the one-stop center for sanitation? Um, maybe it should be the African Water Association. Um, some people think it should be AMCAO. Is it the African Union that has that information? So you find there's still a lot that needs to be done with data. And some of the shortfalls um, start right from the very start when the infrastructure is put in, ability to measure flows, you know, ability to have labs that can actually test um, what is being put into these plants, what is discharging, um, the technology to be able to, to make the real-time measurements, it's still lacking in many of the countries. So the data collection monitoring is still a big problem. Yeah, and how, if we, if we look Africa-wide and we want to improve it, because everything always starts with measuring. Only when you know a problem, you can, you can take action, of course. And I can think of, you, you already mentioned a few things. I mean, one is, uh, let's say, technology, and then there's also yeah, capacity thing. Is that, the, what is needed? Would it be more education and training, or is it basically a question of uh, money, because ultimately somebody has to pay for it when you measure, or is it more maybe a government thing that is just not high enough as a priority for for those that govern on whatever level that they that they want these data what do you think should if 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 we want to have let's say a worldwide drive towards towards better data in this field and and therefore better monitoring where should we start Yeah, I was trying to think of uh, the fact that you, that maybe, yeah, mind shift, mind shift change, you know, paradigm shift, and all of a sudden, wham, we must start collecting the data. Um, there has to be a heartbeat somewhere uh, that drives uh, a change. And, and sometimes we tend to think that it should come from the top. I think this time round, we may not be able to have a, a massive crusade across the continent, but we need to start with some players who can do it right and show the others that this can be, can be done. And so look at the cases where 
there's been um, good movement in terms of data collection and be able to showcase this to the other uh, utilities and countries across that this can actually happen. Um, and then the other one is to, as we put in infrastructure, make sure that we provide um, we provide the environment that allows for data, you know, data collection. Um, countries have standards, interestingly enough, so there are standards that are there. And try to push the, the 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 different utilities and players to 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 put in place that stand those standards to 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 make sure that the, the wastewater and whatever we are discharging meet standards. But I think the other player that come in, into play is trying to improve on the regulation aspects because when people are regulated then they will know that we need to do this because we have to, to report it. Um, I'll give the example again of National Water, where I come from, National Water and Storage Corporation. We have a structure in which we have a, a contract with government. So we, we have a performance contract with government and therefore we are able to report, you know, on, on all the parameters that are discussed and agreed upon. And the wastewater is one of them. And we are able to ensure that that reporting is regular and we know that that has to come through. So it trickles down um, to the bottom. Um, it's not, our data collection is not perfect. There's a lot that we can do. The other one is to try and retain people in the sanitation space because we've had, as we said, the capacity fact that there was inadequate capacity on the continent in terms of, of, of people understanding the dirty side of water and staying in that field. I think there's a bit of a shift to that. We are getting uh, uh, chances for people to do masters in sanitation. We have more short courses running on sanitation, and in this way, trying to raise, you know, that that value of the sanitation side, um, to be given a, enough attention, as much attention as the water side. Um, Utilities should begin to be able to put back some of the money because at the end of the day, if I step back to the utilities, they do earn from the tariff that is there, but many times they don't want to put back the money into the into the sanitation side, and so there has to be that deliberate effort to do that. Would there maybe also be a role for NGOs? Because if you look at at other other issues where data need to be collected, anything from uh, whatever statistics on corruption or on human rights or on what I remember from myself from the past when I worked on landmines, for instance, I thought that uh, although different government levels already have to report on these things, that it helped tremendously that there was uh, the the pressure from NGOs that were also collecting data in, in, in this field. And I know personally from being a civil servant uh, that if I got questions from NGOs that were approaching me, whether I was collecting uh, and reporting on the right data, it always made me a bit nervous. Like, oh, there's somebody watching over my shoulder that I actually do my work and get, uh, and get the right data. Would it be something for for wastewater to work on because there's some some NGOs that are active either regionally or worldwide on specifically wastewater or wider issues like wastewater would it would it help if they would push more for getting getting the right data and monitoring um, available for everyone yeah i think the the data collection part has to be shared amongst different players 
because there's definitely what um, each each actor has uh, and is able to do that the other one cannot do. So definitely when it comes to issues of, of, of human rights, when it comes to issues of uh, understanding that what's happening in the communities, the, the, the standard utilities are not, are not cut out to do that. And we cannot sit, uh, you know, as countries and, 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 and wait. We need to involve whoever has a role to play, needs to be involved. And NGOs do play a very important role in this and i think we've we've also seen this when we when it comes to issues of wash when it came to sanitation and hygiene um it is it's stronger and done by the ngos and not necessarily by the utilities yeah yeah absolutely i'm looking at uh, at at a clock and i normally after about uh, 30 or 40 minutes i'm uh i'm i'm trying to um open up the debate. I know that there's a lot of, uh, we have a lot of listeners today. Uh, some of them are true water as, uh, experts and uh, wastewater experts even, and some others are uh, are just interested and some I don't know because I see them for the first time here. Thank you all as, as listeners. Um, if you if you have any questions, then uh, please uh, either uh, type them in the chat or uh, or just uh, raise your hand, call in as it's uh, as the app is called. Um, so you're you're most welcome uh, to to join. Um, in 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 the meantime, I was uh, oh I see already one caller coming in. Um, hi Sharon. Um hello hi from Arizona. Thanks Alex. Hi. Me, um, hello, Dr. Rose. Um, it, it's nice to listen to you. What I love that you just said is dignity for all. I think that's very important, and um, <laughs> I just I just love that you said that. Um, my question is: I'm calling in from Arizona, and solar power is really big in um, this state and um, the United States in general. Um, and you talked about financing and technology. Uh, is there any place in Uganda for solar power um, that might replace the hydropower? And how does that work? Okay, thanks, Sharon. Thanks for your You're question. dignity for all. Yeah, solar power is something that um, is beginning to pick up in Africa. Surprisingly, when I say beginning to pick up, it should have picked up a long time ago. But um, the exception that the invest, initial investment costs are very high. Um, right on the side of water, we are just beginning to put in, you know, solar power driven uh, uh, boreholes, for example. Um, we have in the energy sector uh, solar panels uh, being put up and these supplying to the grid. But it, there's a lot of space for, for solar energy, but it has been a bit slow. Um, and we feel, yes, it, it is um, a solution to also bringing down, eventually bringing down the costs of energy and also addressing the issue of, 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 of climate change and the greenhouse gases. Sharon, I hope that answers your question. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Rose. Thank you. And another another trend uh, that we see. So one is, of course, a worldwide trend towards more renewable energy. Uh, another one is, of course, moving towards a more circular economy. And wastewater is, of course, an excellent example of uh, water that not only contains waste, because the, a lot yeah. of that waste can be reused in in, in phosphates for for. Um, uh, for fertilization, or you can even, even in some cases, get energy out of the wastewater, or all kinds of other uh, options. Is that something that already gets attention? Should it get more attention? Are there are there possibilities that haven't been fully explored yet? Yeah, thanks, Alexander. This is definitely getting more attention. Um, many of the the, the, of the utilities have, um, including mine, um, had the fertilizer production so out of the sludge. Um, the fertilizer uh, uh, sold out to farmers, um, but possibly sold as is without any further, you know, improvement. And it's been used a lot. But now we are also um, seeing production of pellets, and this this again has come in not only on our own, but we. With the involvement of the NGOs, which is which is great, um, the biogas production for the bigger plants is something that is now coming on board. So it needs to be pushed further um, for, for for us to realize that um, the wastewater can be utilized, can be improved, and uh, definitely can then um, improve the the livelihoods of, of of people who are involved in this. So yes, it's getting attention. It needs more attention. It needs um, also to be part of the, the policy shift that when you put in any form of waste water treatment, you need to look at you know how you can have the renewable energy aspects also catered for. Yeah, excellent. If if we look at new trends and new technology. I mean, we spoke already about a movement towards a more decentralized. We spoke about uh, renewable energy, solar energy, which you rightly say should have should have been embraced much earlier already, but it's it's a good movement. Uh, we, we, we spoke about the reuse, the, 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 the recycling uh, aspects. Are there other technological changes that are that are relevant to focus on for instance um, is there a trend towards nature-based solutions um, or more on-site treatment of waste for instance yeah there definitely is and it's 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 <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned that because i'm part of the task force of nature-based solutions under iowa and um We've looked at that and, and, and again tried to see how can this be uh, adopted and entrenched in, in our approach to, to dealing with um, sanitation and issues of wastewater. Again, one of the entry points is right from the point of design and setup of whatever facility you're putting in to look at the options for nature-based solutions and ensure that these get on board. Um, a lot, lot of the infrastructure investments are done with development partners. And these are done through consultants. And, you know, the consultants come and, and for one reason or other, still go back and opt for the 
the older, you know, the older technologies or the, the one that has been used for the last, I don't know how many years. And that sort of is what is put in Africa, thinking that maybe that's what we can manage. But we are beginning to, to shift. And I think the nature-based solutions and the different options that are out there can be taken into consideration. But they also need to be accompanied a lot with, you know, what we talked about, the, the ability to, to build the capacity for people to understand these solutions and to be able to manage them thereafter. Yeah. And uh, on, on looking at all the issues that we now discussed, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look a bit more holistic here at... Uh, at the used wastewater problems that we have worldwide on the commitment we have uh, towards 2030, um, which uh, which is, of course, already difficult to measure to get there. But if we want to make a concerted worldwide effort to promote the issue of wastewater, to make sure that, uh, that's, that we actually make progress, what do you think would be the next steps that we need to make? Do we need more international cooperation? Do we need more money? Do we need more studies? Do we need more measurements? Uh, do we need more education? Um, uh, probably a mix of all of the above, I can think, but, but maybe some others. What, what would you say should be, what is lacking? What is the big thought that we don't, that we don't have yet on on how to do it better yeah alexander um how can we do it better what can we do how can we do it i think we just need to wake up um we we don't need to wait for a covid19 pandemic related thing to wake us up um we just said sanitation is dignity and if we begin to demand for that then we'll create the changes but if at all levels, even here in Africa, if we sit back and accept that it is okay to have things that are not working, it is okay not to have, then we won't create that, that movement. But, but having said that, um, we need to also um, face the fact that we can't work in isolation. So there is going to have to be a lot of um, cooperation and, and partnerships, um, just as we said, NGOs, utilities, we need to look at uh, national partnerships, um, we need to look at uh, international partnerships where relevant that can help us move and move this particular indicator to where we want it to go. There was a question on the group on what, give an example of a nature-based solution, um, I'll give an example of a wetland, a biomanipulated wetland where you are able to have a natural wetland and be able to um, carefully, you know, um, pass waste through it and have the tertiary treatment done. Um, what percentage of pop population lives in places without access to, to sanitation? Um, the population is it's about 2 point something billion, you know, that are across that do not have access to, to, to sanitation. So it's, it's a big number. Um, yeah, I think those are the ones I picked from the chat group. Yes, over to you, Alexander. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, um, uh, I, I agree with, 
with everything you say, and I, I really, um, we're, we're getting towards the end of this uh, this podcast. I, I really admire your insight, your your enormous dedication uh, to all these issues, and especially what you say about this is an issue about dignity. And uh, yes, we should, of course, have more uh, women involved. Um, it it is it's also an issue about health. It is of course um, uh, there's 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 an economic and a financial question uh, related to it. Uh, there's aspects of new technology. What I find in uh, doing these podcasts and you're as I said the third in a row uh, of what what seems to have grown to to a list of seven by now is uh, the the enormous wealth of information and the enormous possibilities that we have uh, in in improving wastewater and therefore improving life, improving dignity, improving also just, you know, the economy and the well-being uh, of, of, of the people. Um, so I think all of your uh, insights have been uh, absolutely uh, very valuable. Uh, I hope you can uh, you can join and uh, listen in also to um, to the other podcasts that uh, that we will be doing. Um, I look at the at the app for last time. If there's anyone that still have questions, please uh, uh, press on uh, on the call in uh, uh, button. Um, for uh, for those that that joined later, I briefly mentioned this in the beginning. Uh, the next two podcasts will both be next week on. Wednesday at uh, nine o'clock, uh, we're moving this worldwide traveling show uh, to Asia, uh, to uh, to Bangkok, uh, where we will uh, uh, listen to Henrik uh, Gupta uh, with his perspective on um, on Southeast Asia. We'll also talk about South Asia, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and uh, on Thursday, which I know for those American listeners here is uh, Thanksgiving. Um, but it's still early in the morning uh, at 11 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we uh, we will talk with uh, Sam Drabble on uh, probably a much more wider international perspective on, uh, on wastewater, but we will focus also on uh, quite a few specific regions. In the week after that, uh, we will move to Latin America. Um, so that is for uh, your agenda right now. Um, first of all, I would like to thank you. Please stay on the on the Zoom call uh, when I close down the app. I would like to thank all the listeners. Uh, it's it's wonderful that um, that so many of you uh, turn up during uh, during the live uh, uh, broadcast. We're we're we have a, a growing audience, and I'm happy. Uh, to see all that. Uh, please join us. In the meantime, you all know how to reach me. And I see uh, one more caller. So if you still have a bit of time, Rose, uh, I would like to welcome Brigitte. Hi, Brigitte. Hi, Brigitte. Can you hear me? No, I think I think something went wrong there. Okay, uh, with that, I would like to thanks, Brigitte. We'll try it next time or write to me. With that, I would like to uh, to close this uh, this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you very much, Rose, and hope to see you and hear you all on next uh, Wednesday. Bye bye.